This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes. That was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the good folks that love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White with Carol Palmer. Today, we will be your guides through Mississippi and the American South's wonderful food landscape. Today, we're diving into the flavors of Easter and spring, from the classic southern dishes to the unique traditions that make this holiday so special. From glazed ham and deviled eggs to sweet potato casseroles and hot cross buns, Easter dinner is a time-honored feast that brings family and community together to celebrate the season of renewal. So get ready to savor the flavors of Easter in the Deep South, and remember spring has sprung. Good morning, Carol. How mm-hmm. on earth are you this morning? Now I am on earth. On earth. I'm down to earth, and I'm happy to see you. Happy to see Java. Good morning, Java. Good morning, y'all. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Your microphone sounds warm and fuzzy. Mine sounds like I'm in a bathtub for some reason. Wait a minute. But, I don't know. know. It's, it's just a weird... <laughs> It's Monday morning. It is. It's Monday morning. So at the top of the show, we I said we were going to talk about Easter and spring. We're also going to mention and talk a bit about Passover. Good idea, Carol, Mal. Because Lots want, to unpack there. Absolutely. Uh, um, an important tradition uh, in the Jewish faith. So can you sort of share with us your thoughts on that? Well, I was thinking about something that Marcy Cohen Ferris wrote in her book, uh, matzo ball gumbo. So I, hmm. you know, scurried around and pulled that out this morning about the Jewish communities in Mississippi. Oh, okay. And at cool. one time we had, you know, very large Jewish community. We still have strong communities, but but they're they're small. You're and, right. Right. You know, I, I know I lived in Greenwood for a while and they had a beautiful temple there, and there used to be. Yeah, a large contingent of Jewish population, and, and now there are few. And so for the Passover, there are several community seders, since in mm-hmm. the individual towns there are, you know, not enough people to, uh, you know, do the, the big celebration they get together. Some go to Memphis. I know there's a community right. seder in Vicksburg. Tupelo. And, uh, to, yeah, when growing up in below. Boonville, there were two Jewish families, the Fellmans and the Rubensteins. Many of our listeners know well Michael Rubenstein, uh, who was is one of the greatest sports writers to ever walk the face of the earth, and who was with WLBT uh, was a sports news was a sports director. And then, uh, what was the office? He, he was head of the, uh, the Mississippi, Mississippi Sports, Sports Museum. Yeah, later in his life. But anyway, so growing up in Boonville, I hung out with uh, Michael Rubenstein and his brother Ted. And uh, I would attend various functions uh, at the synagogue, which was in Tupelo. 
Yeah, and and I I wonder if that is a place for community seders now or not. But uh, I I thought about it, and I think uh, Marcy Cohen Ferris may indeed call us during the show and tell us about uh, a typical meal. Now, as for Easter, the the celebration in my home, you know, we uh, we had a big time with Easter. It was dress up Sunday. It was go to church Sunday. It was you had to wear socks and a tie. (laughs) And what I call and slick your hair down. No, we didn't. We didn't have any hair because we wore flat tops. Ooh, oh, I've seen those pictures. My father had a flat top. Therefore, Hal, Mal, and Brad had flat tops. Okay, Malcolm, we have a lot Here of comes young listeners. Top. Yeah. You must explain a what, very, a, flat a, very top, what a flat top is and how one gets a flat top. Yeah. Java, it's a very, Java's kind of shaking his head. He doesn't know about flat tops. Not too much. <laughs> well, it's a very closely cropped haircut with the top left standing. Usually you'd put a little wax on it. and uh, But the, the sides were shaved clean. The back was shaved clean. And the very top of your head, your hair, a little bit was left, about an inch. How did it stand Kind of like up. a military. Yes, of? military. Okay. Well, you got it. it was more Great. hair than that, but I don't know how it stood up. I mean, it stood we had, up. We had wax. Wax. You put wax. But we, I didn't care for that look at all. So that was more of a crew cut with, where it would stand up. That was military. But we were flat tops, which meant that there was hardly any okay. hair left. It was just sort of flat on the top. I've got so my, anyway. men, my men's fashions. Um, so, um, and it was a day in which you wore hard shoes, dress-up shoes. And so your feet would hurt by about halfway through the sermon. And you were ready to get home, kick off the hard shoes, and crawl into and under your grandparents' dining room table. And what was on top of the table? Oh, boy. The Easter spread, Java. What is involved in the Easter spread? Well, I mean, you know you're going to have that ham. And then just mm. your, your your various sides, lots of green beans and, and green things and uh, representing, you know, that spring season. Um, but I know, I don't know if anybody does it like we do in the South and to the point of what you were saying with the hard shoes for church, I mean, it's like an extra type of put on. Right. Everybody knows Sunday best, <laughs> but it's a, it's a little extra on Easter Sunday. <laughs> right. You, you would really show out. In fact, for us, what Sunday best was, was maybe a little little coat and tie. But Easter involved uh, a, a bow tie and hard shoes. And usually a nice... Uh, Bright, vibrant color, <laughs> pastels, my friend. There you go, pastels, mm-hmm. which would carry over to the um, to the table because I know many a time in my grandmother's house, you know, with all of the kind of oranges and the um, the pinks and and, and kind of purples to brighten up brighten up the uh, the room and the table, uh, along with the Easter eggs that we would die. <laughs> and man, was that fun! Dying oh, those Easter yeah. eggs, the vinegar, oh, the yeah. smell of vinegar in the air. Uh, and red dye number red two. Dye. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows what we, we were? And getting inviting. that dye all over your hands yep. and your mouth, uh, and then the chocolate candy. Maybe we could do the Easter egg dye this week. Uh, well, maybe. 
at your house? <laughs> well, I know we're going to do it at my house. We get the little tablets, unless we get the plastic eggs and, uh, you know, and fill them with various Easter goodies. Yes, go old school, Java. Yeah. Teach those kids to dip, dip and die. Yeah. What about the little frame, the little egg holder? The, the little the wire, wire, wire frame. Wire fr- do they still have that, Java? It comes in a pack. Frame? Yes, okay. it does. It comes in a the pack. There you go. Okay. I have, have some uh, news of interest for both of you. You talked about Peeps Coffee. You know, what? a few weeks ago. What did you tell Mm-mm. us that, that oh, it Peeps was flavored Peeps, Pepsi? Pepsi. Peeps flavored <clears throat> Pepsi. Java brought it in the studio. <laughs> okay, so you, you know, you introduced Peeps to the season, and I got very intrigued about thinking, what is in a Peep? Well, you so want to know? do y'all remember <laughs> I sent you a couple of weeks ago? What's in a? Uh, that can't the pastry? Oh Lord! Twinkies. I sent you what's in a Twinkies, and, and both of you know. said, "Do not share." Okay. Well, I'm sharing. Okay, this isn't so bad. Peeps are made of sugar, <clears throat> corn syrup, and gelatin, and the eyes are made by made of carnauba wax. Oh, the so we're eyes eating wax on the, on the when peeps. You eat a yes, peeps. we are. But peeps were kind of made by accident, and. Um, this a guy named Sam Bourne, who was a Russian immigrant and confectioner, founded a candy company called Just Born. Oh. It was 1923 in New York, and he made um, several candies. One that you'll you'll recognize, you know, hot tamales. The oh, those red, little hot tamales, little red candies you get. Oh boy, you see them in at the movie theaters. Oh yeah. But um, he had just bought this candy company to acquire their jelly bean technology, and while touring the factory, found workers in a back room making peeps by hand using pastry tubes. And at the time, it took 27 hours to make a peep. What? Yes, because it required a lot of time to dry. You know how peeps are very... I get the that. The consistency. Yeah. You get it? You get it? Right. It takes a and long so, time to uh, So Mr. Bourne's son found a way to automate, automate the process, shortening the time to just six minutes. Wow. The six-minute peep. Yes. And after, you heard it here, folks, on Deep South Dining. It's a liquid MBD marshmallow. It's pumped with compressed air and formed into its final shape. Then it goes into a dusting chamber and gets sugar-coated. And that's, I guess, where they put all the different flavors on because, I mean, Peeps come in basically whatever flavor imaginable now in 2023. Yeah, it used to pretty much be yellow. (laughs) Right, Malcolm, when they started off in yellow, pink, and blue. It has evolved. I mean, yeah. cotton candy, sour watermelon. I just looked up. You're and talking you can, to an expert here. You can find. Well, he has kids. <laughs> now that is true, and 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 I'm and I'm a bit of a trier, especially when it comes to candy. But this pancakes and syrup flavored peep. No. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> birthday cake flavored peep, fruit punch, all kind of things. So, whatever kind of flavor peep you want. Best believe it's out there. Even hot tamale flavored peeps. There you go. Okay, Taste. well that blend that blends the history together. But I'd like to know if any of our listeners out there have any opinion on peeps like they do hot dogs and hmm. frog legs. <laughs> well, well, we will know shortly. Uh, you're invited to call us here in the studio and talk about 
Easter, Passover, peeps, whatever is on your hearts this morning. We'd love to hear from you. I went to the uh, Township Jazz Festival yesterday and heard some remarkable music. And our comrades, uh, WJSU, Cool and Current, were there. Uh, but, man, I heard some great, great music. Raphael Sims does a remarkable job of putting on that Township Jazz Festival. But they had some great food and beverages out there. It wasn't your typical sort of corn dog, you know, hamburger food truck. They had this really good Chicken barbe- on a stick. They had this really good barbecue <clears throat> set up. And Howlin' Mouse, formerly, uh, I was involved with Howlin' Mouse, but uh, they had set up a food booth, and they had shrimp and grits and red wow. beans and rice and po'boys and tamales and nachos. It was really well done. So you could get like a latte from the coffee shop across the street uh, and a shrimp and grits and listen to jazz on the lawn out there. It was really cool. It's very cool and very modern. Yes. So. That sounds like a great Saturday. <laughs> <I was laughs> and and it's in a tent. It. So, you you know, it was nice and cozy and everybody had a seat. Nice. Very civil. Those seats say. get more and more important. Indeed, they do. This is something. So, that. Java, you were on a road trip, right? Yeah. And it was funny when Malcolm said about the shrimp and grits. Um, my wife's birthday was over the weekend and we went to um, New Orleans. Um, away from the kids and um, had some great food. We went to one of our favorite restaurants called the Legacy Kitchen um, in the Warehouse District, and they have some of the best shrimp and grits along with some of the best beignets in the city. Mm. So if you are a beignet fan, uh, the Legacy Kitchen uh, Craft Tavern. Also, (laughs) something fun that happened, we were out, of course, late night because it's New Orleans and we didn't have any kids. Um, But we were struggling to find a great place to eat kind of after midnight. And we had to basically catch up with a a, a local guy and he put us onto a, a, a secret place. I'm not even going to blow up the spot. I'll tell you guys oh, after. Okay. I was going to say, you're not going to share? No, no. I'll, I'll share it with you. But I'm what gonna, is it, like a speakeasy or something? Not a speakeasy, but it has that kind of vibe. And it's a it's a hidden gem um, for the late night crowd. You can't do this. Yes. No, you can't. We, <laughs> we, gotta, we have several thousand listeners. Well, they're going to have to. it wouldn't be a secret. They're going to have to contact you personally. Yes, they're going to have to contact me personally because I'm going to hold on to this place. I don't want this place to get overrun. Ah. And then keeping it for yourself. Because it was some of the best two o'clock in the morning shrimp po' boys. Now, ever. was it food or music or both? It was just food, strictly food. Strictly there used food. to be a place out on Sunset Drive called Estelle's, which was a late night place back in the 70s and 80s for Jackson music goers and club goers. Because all the bars would shut down at midnight and we'd all go out to Estelle's and get fried shrimp and chicken and gumbo, and red beans and rice. That reminds me of a place um, off Caroline Rose called Giovanni's. Um, which was which would be open late night. I think I got that name correct. But it was a nice place. You can go and get some calamari at 2 in the morning when everything else was closed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Subway used to serve food in a separate little building. They would have fried chicken. you remember that, Carol? I do indeed. And what great music. And now there is a blues marker where the Subway was. Absolutely. Okay, Mal, we hadn't talked about your kitchen. What was going on in your kitchen this week? Well, it was kind of quiet, but uh, Kara made a cake uh, for you guys. So you have uh, round two of the 
Ponchatoula strawberry reduction yes. to go over your pound cake. Now, what's different between this dessert today and the one last week was it last week's was a strawberry cake with strawberry reduction. This is a straight up pound cake with reduction on it. So I'm good with that. I love her pound cake. What about you, Java? Yeah, I'm good with any gifts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a Monday morning of the edible kind. <laughs> if you didn't see the special on WJTV, they ran a special about the Buckethead Judges, Carol. Yes. Which you're a, Buckethead judge. a member of, but you weren't. They ran a special about the story and the history of the Bucketheads. And I was thinking maybe Java ought to be a Buckethead. Well, oh, wow. Anyway, just a thought. I don't know. We'll see next year. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Now, speaking of gifts, before we go on to what's in our kitchen, I brought you guys a gift, and you can't top this. Oh, I boy. brought you some Ukrainian condiments. Oh, boy. That's, uh, that's interesting. Ukrainian yeah, John's, condiments. John's grandson, uh, Justin McClure, you know, lives all – he's been living in Africa, and he's had a uh, – Ukrainian or Russian girlfriend lately, and how he came across Ukrainian condiments. Hmm. Um, I guess these came home in his suitcase, but th- this is a, a mustard for you, Malcolm. Lord, you know, I never met a condiment that I didn't love. I know, and that's that's indeed why you have uh, these. And but there's a picture of a bowl of what looked like lentils down here. Yeah, they're they're that. I don't know. Maybe that's pepper. And for, uh, you know, for Java, I have got a honey mustard. It does say French mustard. And it's made in, I guess you say Lviv, L-V-I-V, Lviv. And they're in little squirt containers. They're really cute, really cute uh, foil packs. So we're going to all try Ukrainian condiments this week. I like that. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Very thoughtful and, okay. and very appropriate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in my kitchen this week, I had a couple of good things. And one was took uh, took me back to the 50s and 60s. And, Malcolm, it was crab meat Imperial. Oh boy! Oh, that's a good one. A, a, sort of that, a casserole of goodness. It is a casserole of goodness, and um, tell in, our in tell the, our folks. Yeah, but in the fifties and sixties, all the moms who were in luncheon clubs had a set of these shells, these coquille shells. Yes, yes, yes. And we didn't have any, but I remember seeing them. Yes, and and well, we certainly had them in in my kitchen at the Everyday Gourmet. People would right. still come ask for them, but within that, you put crab meat imperial, which is a dish that was first introduced at Thompson's Seagirt House in Baltimore uh, back in the late 1800s. And uh, I don't know if you know what a Seagirt is. I G-I-R-T. don't, but I, I hope I'm about to learn. Yeah, well, I thought they misspelled grits. <laughs> <laughs> but a seagirt is, it means it's surrounded by or enclosed by the sea. And oh. the I think the name was used much more a long time ago. I mean, it could be yeah. a castle on a seagirt. A or castle a made restaurant, of sand. A, a restaurant on the seagirt. <laughs> but Jimi Hendrix uh, mentioned. Go ahead. Well, I went to the place in Morocco where Jimi Hendrix wrote the song Castles Made of Sand. Okay, Seagirt. Seagirt. Okay, so back to crab meat imperial. <laughs> you have beautiful lump crab meat 
with mayonnaise, Dijon mustard, lemon, Old Bay seasoning. I mean, it's a mayonnaise base. Mm. Stir it all together. Put it in a casserole dish or in the aforementioned ramekins or shells. Yes. And a few breadcrumbs on top. Bake it in the oven. And it Until is it just, bubbles. It is bubble, just bubble, 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 bubble. delicious. Right. My husband, John Palmer, was so happy. Of course, he's a 50s and 60s guy. Right on. That's so good. that was that was one thing happening in my kitchen. Okay, so we're talking about Passover, Easter, the coming of spring. Got a couple of comments from listeners who texted me. Java Chico says that he will picket your house until you tell about the after hours eatery. So be what? be 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 forewarned. Chico Chico, I think has my uh, cell phone number. He can he can text me, and I will, and okay. I will gladly tell Chico. <laughs> and Barry White, one of our great listeners and great friends, reminded us to eat a peep for peace. A peep for peace, and I will just say, Malcolm, peeps for the people. That's right. Bring it on. Bring it on. All right, we're going straight to the phone lines here. Macy Hart has joined us. He lives in Jackson, Mississippi, and he's got some yak in the do. About and what an honor. I know. Hello, Macy. Good morning, guys. Can you hear me? Absolutely. You're loud and clear. Well, good morning, um, Carol, Malcolm, Java. What a treat. And uh, I, I missed the very first part, but um, my good friend Kelly Butler called me immediately and said, get on the Get on the phone, quick, quick. So, here so I did your friend Marcy Ferris. She's driving somewhere, and she <laughs> and she sent a text and said, get Macy Hart on the phone. Of course, we didn't have time, and here you are. Here I am, and Susan's with me as well. So I have um, a few things, um, and I do apologize for missing the first part. Um, I came in on the feet. Well, we were talking about um, community seders in Mississippi in the towns that the Jewish population has been diminished. So that's what we said, and then you can take it from there. All right. Well, first, um, um, thanks for all of this informative information. I think, you know, I'm a great believer and fan of public radio and public television because it educates the community. That always um, gives us great joy. So um, Passover starts. The first Seder is uh, Wednesday night. It is, uh, is it, it is Susan's and my favorite, favorite of the Jewish holidays, and we have plenty of them. Um, I wanted to uh, tell you that um, uh, some of these community Seders are legendary, but the communities have gotten so small that they're not, like they used to be, but what is. So in Natchez, Mississippi, as an example, when they had a community theater, it was so big because all people all over Natchez would come to the theater and it had to be held next door. I believe it is in the Presbyterian Church's social hall. Um, and they would have over 100 people come, and there were never... Um, well, it were in the turn of the century, last century, um, community seders. But up and down the river, Greenville, um, Pittsburgh, uh, Jackson, all these Meridian, uh, all these communities that were at one time really large communities. Um, 
The issue of Passover is simple. It is to remind, I think, uh, the best message for the Jewish people is it reminds us that we too were once slaves, not to forget the story and to remember that we are not allowed, as I call it, to be sideline sitters. We have to be in the mix. To the, the Hebrew words are tikkun olam, which means to repair the world, but it, it um, really means to repair the neighborhood you live in, or repair the community you live in. Um, my favorite, my favorite dish. This is not one served at a seder. Is something called fried matzah, and I take a whole sheet of matzah, and I soak it for anywhere from 15 minutes to a half an hour, just like I would soak a piece of French toast, and then um, in egg. Sorry, in egg. Thank you. Um, soak it in egg and. In about 15 minutes or so, it's tender, and I fry the whole sheet. And I say fry, I put it in a skillet uh, that you can flip it, and I put egg around it just to hold it uh, together and to make it like a matzo omelet. We call it fried matzo in the heart household and the tradition of three generations, four generations, and it's a favorite. Um, matzo ball soup is such a treat. And we had a great uh, event once we were in uh, New York, and it was during that time, and we were at one of the famous delis, and Susan ordered in her um, very, very civil, non-Southern accent, Mott, ball, soup, and the waiter <laughs> was so, like, amused that he yelled out in the, in the uh, Carnegie Deli, I got an order here for Mott, ball, soup. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And Macy, would you uh, yes, would you tell us or tell our listeners uh, about about uh, matzo and why you eat unleavened sure. bread at Passover? Sure. sure. Um, matzo is unleavened, which means it did not have time to rise when the Israelites were fleeing the Pharaohs. Uh, and heading towards the uh, Red Sea. And so all along the place, um, since this is the story of the exodus, so to speak, from Egypt, um, the uh, bread did not have time to rise, so it became this unleavened bread. So uh, it, it is uh, central to Passover, like Susan and I and our family members and many Jewish people do not eat anything um, with uh, uh, yeast or, or some some flowers. Um, and there are different traditions, by the way, between the Sephardic Jews and the Ashkenazic Jews with regard to what are some of the things that are um, uh, that some people don't eat during Passover, grains, etc. But it was about leaving. Um, it was just about leaving Egypt so fast. That is a simple explanation of it, and it's uh, as close a reminder as we can get. Um, I like matzah, and I could eat it year round. Most people can't stand it, um, <laughs> but we carry it. I carry it by the box, and I go to restaurants. I have my matzah. Well, good for you, and we so appreciate this call, and we are going to be thinking about all of the good food that's going to be on the table at your home, and um, 
have a happy Passover. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Let me just throw one more thing in about mustard, okay? Please. So a good, a good friend of mine from my national Jewish youth days named Barry Levinson um, created the Art of Mustard, which is a mustard museum. <gasps> and it is amazing. And um, I'll send y'all the information on how to reach Barry if you're interested, because it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Man, we'd love to uh, to chat we'd about a mustard to, museum, oh, Carol. Malcolm, got yeah. my attention. Very yes. good. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we deeply appreciate your calling and sharing with us some of the history and traditions of the Passover, Macy uh, and Susan Hart. Uh, we have another caller on the phone who wants to talk about lamb, and you know, many researchers note that lamb is actually the more traditional meat offering on Easter, originating from the sacrificial lamb within the Arabic uh, religion. So uh, we have Rebecca calling from Fulton. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning. I, I want to add something uh, about the, you, you were talking about Passover, and I lived in Memphis, which which we joke about it being the, you know, the north, north Mississippi. The capital of North Mississippi. Yes, yes. Yes. Indeed. So, yes. So, and I just loved seeing the Jewish. I, I love the Jewish population there. It was just, you know, you know. I just, um, that you know, go. I, I would see people walking to service on on the, on the Sabbath, and it was just really, uh, you know, rain or shine. So right. it was just really cool. Anyway, but back to the lamb. Um, um, I just wanted to ask, you know, I've never, I've never cooked that. I mean, I've never fixed lamb, so I'm just wondering if you could recommend anything. Sure. I mean, I don't cook a lot of lamb. I know my brother, uh, Hal, used to uh, cook lamb. He would put it in the uh, Irish stew, of all things. But um, I love lamb kebabs, you know, lamb meat marinated uh, and, and, and grilled with onions, peppers, and such. Uh Carol, do you have a, a favorite lamb well, dish? Well, you know, the, the only lamb I've, I've ever cooked is a grilled leg of lamb, mm-hmm. you know, a spring lamb. Right. Um, on a, you know, on a rotisserie, which is delicious with a lot of fresh herbs, especially rosemary. Yes. I think um, of rosemary when I think but of But I would love to, to hear from other people who do it because it is indeed the more traditional. And when lamb got expensive this is back many decades ago was when people changed to ham right but we only had ham as a child we didn't have access to lamb in stone county so uh, i mean there were lamb people raised lamb and sheep around us a few Mm -hmm. but we rarely ever ate it uh I, i was an adult before i ever actually tasted lamb uh, so I, I really don't have many recipes, but we'll do a little research and delve into uh, lamb dishes, particularly uh, for Easter. And and hope somebody calls in that has a, a great idea. Yep. Rebecca, thank you so much for listening to our show and for taking the time and effort to call and share about lamb for Easter. If any of our listeners uh, have good stuff to add to that. Javi, do you want to just keep on going? Well, I was just going to add that um, Liz Gill, another producer here at MPB, she just popped in and said they have lamb, um, and lamb kebabs every every um, Easter. And um, I was looking up; it's a real versatile 
piece of meat. I am a lamb chops, lollipop, lamb chop um, mm. connoisseur. I do love the, the chops. But they can be um, roasted, grilled, braised, stewed, skewered, mm-hmm. you know, just right. they can they're really versatile. So however you want to do it, a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of marinating and and I mean, you know, put it on the grill, oven, stew, right. you know, however you want to do it. <laughs> a little medium rare rack of lamb gets oh me going. Gosh. Very, oh very gosh. I, I can eat five or six of those little rascals. <laughs> a little mint jelly. Mm, now you're talking. Now, yeah, now, now we're talking really Easter. Talking. Now we're talking, now we're talking <laughs> Easter. <laughs> So Java, on your table growing up uh, on uh, for Easter time, I'm going to ask this. I always have to ask: Was there mac and cheese? Yes, mac and cheese is a it's a staple. I go ahead and say that, but it's also something that gets pulled out for the special for the special dinners. Okay. It is. I mean, it's, because it's a versatile dish as far as like um, something that everyone in my family knows I'm going to eat. I mean, you know, uh, other people are going to eat, especially not too picky of eaters. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it goes well. Works for everyone. Yeah. Well, Java, I was going to tell you, I was looking up uh, earlier this week in Southern Living. There are 25 most popular in the South. Easter side dishes, and you'll be pleased to know that mac and cheese was high on the list. Kind of, hmm. kind How about of surprised deviled me. Eggs? Deviled eggs is like number one. Now that's a um, that was all, that yeah, was always on yep, the table as absolutely. well. But, you know, I really I think of dishes of the I mean, like you know it's a time for carrots. It's it's a time of like green peas. I do like a green pea and orzo salad. Um, it's a big time of year for asparagus, and yeah, maybe we'll talk about asparagus a little a little later. After I know we have some callers, but potato salad. And it was interesting that Malcolm was talking about Michael Rubenstein because his mother Hazel was her name. Malcolm correct. Made a, she was very famous for a pineapple casserole. The first time I heard about it, I thought. Oh, yuck. But she was very famous for this, and it's been published, and it was one of Southern Living's top sides for Easter, and it is absolutely delicious. Mm -hmm. Pineapple casserole. Is it like an ambrosia? No. No, it's made with chunk. It's made with chunked chunk pineapple in the can and cheese and there there is some kind of some sort of binder in bind, there yeah binder i don't remember what it in was it, but i bet it was served at the rubenstein seder <laughs> in boonville don't you know it <laughs> hey you know eggs are the real star of easter and on many tables the incredible edible egg as they yes. used to say but today the cookie of the day kevin farrell makes cookies every monday up here today he really was showing out he had these easter egg cookies that had a, they were shaped like a nest with little easter eggs in the center did you see them out front Kevin? i haven't seen them i ran they're in. probably gone now well yeah they has got to be gone okay we got mike on the phone he's calling from hernando he wants to talk about easter what's going on buddy um you guys just uh you mentioned Easter, of course, talking about Easter. I grew up in the 50s, and I'm sure others will remember getting a special egg my parents would buy. It was a made egg, you know, decorated, really pretty. Had a hole in one end, and there was a little bitty scene, Easter scene, inside the egg. Those oh. are the I know you, you, you don't see them anymore. Yeah, that that was the most beautiful thing. There would be like a panorama inside the egg. Uh-huh. Yeah, there yep, was a little there was about uh, uh, the hole at the end was How about big the was size. The egg? 
the the egg was was mic was probably about, about as six big as inches. Your microphone here? Yeah, it's about mm-hmm. six inches. Okay. When you say mic, right, right, and the, and yeah, the hole at the end was about the size of maybe between a nickel and a quarter, but the outside of the egg was beautifully decorated with, you know, Mm -hmm. with icing, but it was very hard. So it was a pastry or or, or a a sweet treat? No, it was a chocolate chocolate chocolate. egg. Oh, okay, chocolate. Yeah, Yeah, you did. It was just a beautiful thing. And then you look through the end of it, and there there would be a beautiful scene inside. I hadn't thought about that What what, What was it called, Mike? Do you remember what? No, we just got one every Easter. It was a special Easter Easter egg. Uh Wow. Special Easter egg. Uh It was a beautiful thing. That's a great memory. Yeah, I wish we could still get them. Well, we'll we'll do some digging and see what we can figure out. They've got to be out there somewhere. (laughs) I hope so. Hey, hey, hey. I see. Wait a minute. Carol's already already on on it. it. I'm already on it. Panoramic eggs. I see many of them on the website Etsy. There are many confectioners out there still making them very good thank you mike thanks for calling and getting us on the panoramic egg is that what it's called indeed it is spring has sprung and this is deep south dining on mpb think radio we've enjoyed the callers and the conversation this morning we've got a another caller on the phone william is calling from starkville and we mentioned in the opening about the hot cross buns and he's going to talk about that hello william I'm sorry. I'm not going to talk about them. I just I know you mentioned hot cross buns, and I just thought it was uh, <laughs> that I'd add it to the list. I didn't know whether it was a Yankee tradition. I come. I'm actually Canadian, but uh, it was always a, an Easter t- tr- tradition. Wow. So I'm sorry. I no, no, nothing no, to be sorry got, about. No, that, let's let's uh, just, add it to the add it to the list and to the conversation. I'm so glad you introduced it. But William, let me ask before we delve into the hot cross bun. You say you're Canadian. What brought you to Starkville? Was it uh, Mississippi State? <laughs> no, I've been in the Royal Canadian Air Force and went back to college. And my major professor uh, noticed Dr. August Rasmus' uh, flight research program. Here at Mississippi State, and, and I was uh, had a chance to get into a, a huge aviation industry in in Toronto if I uh, got through school here. But um, while I was here, a new uh, Baptist, coincidentally, a Baptist prime minister killed the program, and suddenly there were ten thousand engineers and ten thousand. Uh, office workers out of work in Toronto, oh. and at the same time, I got invited to teach a course for for an ailing prof, and uh, I, they never told me to go home. Oh, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. They did tell me to go home once, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's our but good I, fortune. Absolutely. Yeah, I, my good fortune, but uh, it's one been wonderful experience here. Um, Thank well, you so much. Oh, no, you're so you. welcome. We and um, you, you know, hot cross buns, it, it is indeed an Easter tradition. And uh, hot cross buns are sweet, spicy yeast rolls. And you paint or cut the shape of a cross uh, on top of them. And, you know, it's really, it really is a once-a-year thing. And, yes, and I remember them well as a child, Um but my mother-in-law, Zita Piggott, used to make these amazing Easter breads, these giant round breads, and she would embed whole 
colored eggs into the top and bake them into the bread. Have you ever wow. seen ne- that? Wow, never Jolly seen ever. that. And what was her heritage? That, <clears throat> she was Austrian. Okay. Well, that that sounds like a good Austrian yeah, yeah. tradition. And now my mother-in-law Armenian. is Armenian. She has many <clears throat> traditions, food traditions. And she and her husband, Rob, actually managed the Armenian Food Festival in Richmond, Virginia. So I've had great exposure to their culinary uh, all of their culinary delights. And, of course, Kara is uh, a fabulous uh, cook and carries on a lot of that. So, Hot cross buns, and uh, they're uh, very, very historic. Uh, some date it back to the 1300s when monks would make them in the various abbeys and take them to the poor. Oh, at, and, and, and the Easter. cross that was, uh, I guess— cut into the top of the bun would expand and be more prominent once the, once, the bun was... Yeah, once it's made. And, and it's do you remember there used to be a nursery rhyme, hot cross buns, yes. hot cross buns? Uh, I bet Java knows. No, he doesn't know the nursery rhyme. Well, we will un- uncover the nursery rhyme. So glad we, we brought this subject up. Absolutely. Now, it is springtime and it's planting time. And I, for one, am busy, busy, busy in the garden, uh, uh, as are many of my friends who who grow fruits and vegetables. Uh, it's an exciting time, uh, the spring. Uh, and so, uh, you know, asparagus, uh, we've, we've sort of talked about asparagus uh, in this season. And a friend of mine, uh, Susan Lyles, you, who you oh, remember yeah. from the Arts Commission, that grows asparagus. And she says once you get them going, they're very easy to, to, to keep going unless they freeze. But anyway, she has a nice patch of asparagus plants in her garden and they just pop up and you snap them off but there are many things about the asparagus there there are many ways to prepare it there are many ways to care for it to keep it from going bad Uh, and you sent us a nice article uh, over the weekend about that i did and i was thinking about uh asparagus plants because our friend bruce browning who is no longer with us had actually a an asparagus plant that was his grandmother's. I mean, once you establish an asparagus plant, they can, you know, be with you through, right. you know, through the generations. Getting them established is is somewhat. Um, I think that's a difficult part. And then once they become established, they just come back. They're perennials. They come back year after year. I would love to have some asparagus in my little garden and my yard garden. So well, I'm going to work on that. Well, do it. Do it. Um, some of the things we were reading that I sent y'all about asparagus were, uh, you know, techniques to use. I'm a snapper. I mm. snap the end of the asparagus. You don't cut. You snap. I snap. But I read that it's really better to cut the ends of the asparagus. And and what the article also shared is when you bring it home, it's in that uh, – it, it's bound by the two uh, <clears throat> rubber bands, which I use as a wallet, of course, but not many people do. Uh, I've often For your folding carried money, my folding, folding money, money and, and my credit cards in asparagus rubber bands. So the advice was to take them immediately out of the rubber bands, to snip off the very ends, and to stand them up in a glass. Yes, with about an inch and a half of water in the bottom and put them in the refrigerator and they will stay crisp and fresh much longer. Crispiness is what we're going for, Mal. 
Uh, and they say just to line up all the spears on a cutting board and slice off the ends all at once. I don't know. I get a lot of joy from snapping asparagus. So. Well, I don't think you should stop snapping. this is just advice i think the thing is you do what makes you happy if you want to snap asparagus please by all means snap away well i'll indeed do that and i want to talk just for a minute about uh, white asparagus Uh, only because i've had a discussion with my husband this weekend about that he was recalling time a time in germany where he had white asparagus, and they celebrate the season. There's even a word for it in Germany. And, you know, the white asparagus are grown underground. And he was bemoaning the fact that it's hard. Yeah, you see it in the grocery store. You do. Sometimes it kind of looks a little, you know, you're not sure how long it's it's been there. But anyway, we looked up uh, websites, and there was a white asparagus kit that you can order, and it's when the, the season starts within the next two to three weeks. Okay. I'll be Mostly ready. in Europe, yeah. No, well, have you have Oh, you don't have the lunch? white asparagus. White asparagus. Okay. I'm and not so, going to go there. I'm going to go with green. Well, you can come with me and have white asparagus because yes. we have ordered when it comes in. It's white asparagus, and it comes oh, you're, with oh, you're getting a kit in the business. of a okay. special butter and uh, and parmesan. So wow. we're going to celebrate white asparagus season two. I'll just invite myself over for that. All right, we got Diane on the phone. She has an Easter comment. What's going on, Diane? Well, two things. One is that oftentimes on those hot crust buns, there is an icing cross in the in the little indentation. Mm. So that kind of pretties them up a little bit. And then the other thing is, as I know, at least part of the rhyme for hot crust buns. <gasps> oh, hot please crust share. Buns, hot crust buns, one a penny, two a penny, hot crust buns. Very so good. There you go. And that makes me think of the rest of the words. Go, Carol. I'm not going to sing. Go, Carol. Go, Carol. If you have no daughter, give them to your oh. sons. Hot cross, cross buns. buns. Hot, Hot cross, cross buns. buns. Wow. I didn't know that part. I'm so glad. Well, that, I had that, forgotten it. <laughs> I had forgotten it until you came up with the first of it. And I Very dug good. deep. And that's why Deep South Dining <laughs> exists. It's deep. It's deep. Folks. All right, we got Mikey on the phone. Thank you so much, Diane. We appreciate you. Got us going on it. We got a quick few minutes left. Mikey, what's happening? (laughs) The hot cross bun thing is giving me the groans because the first instrument that I tried, and I've played several, but um, (laughs) the first one I tried was what my Mississippi granddaddy called the fiddle. Um, it was a violin, and mm-hmm. hot cross buns was what they tried to teach us. And I was so pathetic at that that I know I went with brass. <laughs> <laughs> what key? What key was uh, hot cross buns in there, Mikey? I think it was in the people's key C. C. Yeah. If it's in C, yeah, even uh, I could try it. Java's nodding his head. <laughs> but anyway, no, no. What I actually called about was the asparagus stuff. Um, now, cool. Felder, of course, will be uh, much better at explaining this, but um, there is a vine called it's a Smilax, which, of course, figures in with some of the Middle Eastern stuff that you're talking about, Okay, you know, which I'm so glad to hear when you do talk about it. Um, but the, the vine is Jackson vine, and it's native to this our area here, the, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana stuff. Mm-hmm. And it grows, you see it, people make Christmas wreaths out of it all the time. And it's coming out right now, and you can pull off the, when, uh, down to where it breaks, 
and it tastes even I usually eat it before I even get back in the house, but you could use it for garnishes. Wow. Um, you, you could, yeah, you know, because it tastes like asparagus. <laughs> yeah, and well, what I did you call I, it? Smilac. I had Smilac, no idea yes. you could eat it. I decorate with it. We could talk about Smilac and asparagus all day, but unfortunately, Carol, we're running out of time here. Happy Eastover. Eastover. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> happy Passover. <laughs> happy Easter. Happy Eastover yes. to all of our friends and listeners. Well, we want to thank you all for listening. I appreciate all the folks that stop me on the street and tell me that they love listening to our show. It means a lot to us, and we appreciate it, and we appreciate it when you listen. We appreciate it when you support public radio in Mississippi and when you call and talk to us. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.